Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. The Doc Washburn Show streams live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central weekdays on the Podbean app, which you can download onto your smartphone. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N and is available for download at Spotify, Apple, or wherever podcasts are available. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com or call us at 866-609-3711. Hey now, this is episode 48 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Friday, December 17th. Yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious. Last November's presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't let me say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. All right, we're real thankful for our advertisers who allow us to be able to do what we do every day. So let me just tell you something. If you have tried to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live because that's how far they had to go to find what they wanted. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry. Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River Your Way makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options that you have full control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can determine what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, Order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live. RedRiverYourWay.com, you'll be glad you did. All right, that having been said, a lot of stuff going on today. (laughs) I tell you what, just when you think, just when you think, that Joe Biden has gotten as goofy as he possibly could be. Well, he surprises you. He surprises you. Um, now, I don't ever call him president because they stole the election. I'll call him Creepy Joe. I'll call him Dementia Joe. I'll call him Usurper Biden. 
but I'm not going to put the word president in front of his name. And apparently that's catching on because he thinks somebody else is president himself. There, the president of Delaware State used to work for me, went and got his doctor and said, this is not the good job. I'm going to be president of the university. But all kidding aside, of course, President Harris is a proud Howard alum. She might have something to say about Delaware State. And to my family and friends, the class of 2021, I know the pride you feel for this day as well. Dude, she's not president yet. She hasn't pulled the 25th Amendment on you yet. All kidding aside, of course, President Harris. What? Of course, President Harris. What? President Harris. Look, um, we didn't delete the word vice out of there. He didn't say Vice President Harris. He said President Harris. Okay? Just so you know. Just so you know. Is there an office pool, guys? See, some people are trying to figure out how long it's going to be until they uh, pull the trigger on the uh, 25th Amendment on this guy. Now, in case you're like, oh, I think I've heard of that. What's the deal? So the 25th Amendment allows the vice president to replace the president if she can get at least half of the cabinet that he appointed to agree that he can no longer fulfill the duties of his office. 25th Amendment was submitted by Congress to the states July 9th, 1965. 89th Congress adopted it February 10th, 1967, the day that the requisite number of states, 38, had ratified it. All right, so it's been around for, been around for a minute. But um, if you... Uh, had a situation in which the uh, president clearly was unable to continue to fulfill his duties of office. The vice president and half of the cabinet could replace him with a vice president. Just saying, so you know. So, you know, who knows? Who knows why Biden says things like this? He's a proud Howard alum. She might have something to say about... Well, let me back it up. Of course, President Harris. What? President Harris. President Harris. So uh, he believes she's going to be president. He's thinking, well, I probably am not going to make it through my first term. Because uh, I'm losing it. You know, they have good days and bad days, dementia patients. They do. They have good days and bad days. Just so you know. All right. Now, um, that having been said, you familiar with a guy named uh, Peter Navarro? Peter Navarro was a, uh, he was a counselor to uh, President Trump. 
He's director of the Office of Trade and Manufacturing Policy. And uh, President Trump brought him in on the coronavirus situation. Wish he'd brought him in earlier. But um, anyway, Dr. Robert Malone was on with uh, Peter Navarro. Apparently, Peter Navarro does a uh, does a podcast these days. So, Dr. Robert Malone was on with him a couple of days ago, and it was uh, an intriguing conversation. We got a clip from it. It's less than two minutes long, but I think uh, I think you're going to want to hear it. So today's theme, thanks, Peter, is vaccine nation. It's how we've all just become slightly uh, crazy with uh, this logic that the only solution, the only way out is the jab. And uh, this this clip is a great example. Now, you noted that Francis Collins, not only should he not be speaking on behalf of the NIH because of the history, and by the way, Glenn Beck has really outed this whole thing. Uh, most recently on Tucker Carlson's, there's a fantastic clip where he's found clear documentation that goes pre-pandemic of the deal between NIH and Moderna to make this Corona vaccine. So they were, they were, they had a secret. This, this dates back so a while, clear. right? Doc, yeah, uh, the, the, a, uh, how, how far back 20, does late, it dates pre-pandemic? This, this particular document that Glenn Beck is now focusing on is uh, late 2019. And this is a secret deal, apparently, that, and it's all coming out because of the, we're having a cat fight between Moderna, a legal cat fight between Moderna and NIH about who gets the money and who gets credit for this in terms of the patents. So, and so, so, so things are fragmented. So let's do the timeline real quick for the... Coming out. Would say that they already knew that this thing was going to hit the fan, and they were cooking the confidential business arrangement and signing the documents before the president apparently had any awareness that this was going to happen. I, I can vouch from inside the White House that we were never briefed on anything related to, to, to um, the gain of function experiments or that uh, possibility. How about that? Now, they're talking about something that we had earlier this week, the, uh, the clip of uh, the clip of Glenn Beck on with, uh, on with Tucker Carlson, right? Um, <clears throat> pardon me. And indeed, and indeed, the NIH did sign an agreement with Moderna before before we knew anything about the coronavirus, that they would co-own this vaccine, Moderna, a company that never successfully brought a product to market. You know what I'm saying? And now... Now, a CDC panel recommends 
that most Americans should be given the Pfizer or Moderna vaccines instead of the Johnson & Johnson shot after reviewing safety data. The AP reporting, the CDC panel says, the Johnson & Johnson shot can cause rare but serious blood clots, which have caused nine confirmed deaths. Really? Really? Now, the great investigative reporter Cheryl Atkinson says there's a common misconception. When you see the quote, out of millions who have gotten Johnson & Johnson vaccine, only nine people have died of blood clots, scientists have long said that each case reported represents an exponentially higher number of cases that have actually occurred but go uncounted. Just so you know, just so you know. Because again, I don't ever want you to have cause to say, well, Doc, why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you warn us? Okay? The great independent journalist Jordan Schachtel says, all I get out of this is that Pfizer and Moderna are the more powerful cartel bosses at the moment. Johnson & Johnson needs to step up their game. Just so you know. Just so you know. And, and I certainly believe it's a cartel. I certainly believe it's a cartel. I don't know if you heard about this. Um... The CEOs of American and Southwest Airlines want to end the mask mandates aboard flights despite a surge of new Omicron cases across the U.S., according to UK Daily Mail. Well, Omicron is a mild cold. And from what I gather, from what I understand, the air in an airliner is fresh new air that comes from outside, you know, how far up you are, you know, 30,000 feet, whatever, and it's constantly recirculated. So what's the problem? What's the problem? Well, there's not one. They just want you to join the cult. Great comment here from uh, uh, Terry, one of the people listening live. Hey, Doc, thank you. I feel like I'm taking an online class with all my classmates showing up at the same time to join the Truth Talk. Well, God bless you. I, I, I'm humbled. I'm a recovering DJ and person and talk show host, so that's a very kind comment. I appreciate that. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, so even as... Um, Pardon me. I uh, I got to get a uh, a sip of water. Hang on a sec. 
You're listening to The Doc Washburn Show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. You can now listen live weekdays, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time at DocWashburnShow.com. Podcast available at DocWashburnShow.com and for download at Spotify, iTunes, Apple, or wherever podcasts are available. We are on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com or call us at 866-609-3711. All right. Thank you, Brian Coolis. Appreciate that. Um, every once in a while, I got to stop eating breakfast right before the show because something goes down the wrong way. You, <clears throat> Pardon me, getting choked up and then you... You know, well, no, no, it's a great new promo. It gives me an excuse to play the great new promo. Who was the CEO that uh, that Ted Cruz was excoriating the other day for the vaccine mandate? I think it was the CEO of United. Because American and Southwest are like, hey, you know, this is getting ridiculous. This is getting ridiculous. People shouldn't have to wear masks on the airplane. It's ridiculous. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. God bless him for saying that. I, You know, I haven't flown in a long time. I don't know when, if or when I ever will again. Because all the horror stories, right? All the horror stories. It is, it is getting ridiculous. So, um, <clears throat> I got a clip of uh, Matt Gates. U.S. Representative from Pensacola, Florida, and Thomas Massey, U.S. Representative from Kentucky. See, Congressman Massey had recorded a phone call with a CDC scientist acknowledging false information. Really? See, I thought I thought they weren't supposed to give out false information. Let's 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 uh, let's dip into this. See what's going on. Well, Thomas, I, I bring it up because it seems that the body doesn't always quite know how to deal with you because you are a data first person. You are on the front end of a lot of scientific issues that arise in the country. You served on the science committee where you focused on a lot of that stuff. And when COVID really started to become central to American consciousness, I remember very early you were one of the first to seek out an antibodies test because yes. you you wanted the data as to your own person right. and your own health. Uh, do you mind sharing sort of how you made that decision and how you've lived as a consequence of that result? Oh, sure. Well, first of all, I asked people who get the vaccine because they want to save grandma and, you know, stop the spread of the disease. Did you go get an antibody test after you got the vaccine? Like if you're relying on this to save people's lives, did you spend the other 50 bucks to see if it worked? And of course, almost nobody does that. But I had an antibody test 18 months ago that came back positive with high levels of antibodies. And so I've I've been interested personally as to whether the vaccine improves on that immunity and how durable and long lasting is that immunity. Uh, And so when the vaccines were first approved, but the um, and then by the FDA and then the CDC published a little short little blurb. I noticed there was a typo in there. Of course, I characterized it as a typo. This is December of last year. Hey, wait a minute. 
Check it out. Listen. We're a year later. And they said that the vaccine was 92% efficacious for those with evidence of prior infection. And I'm, whoa, that's a pretty tall claim. Let me go look at the data. And I looked at the data, and it showed that it was minus 7% efficacious for those. Who and, and where did you find that data? From the FDA. like So, so what not some would, private group, no. not some obscure website, but from the federal government's own collected data. Yes. it was. It's still there. The data is still there. You can go see. They, the, the remarkable thing is they really didn't have much data. There were 1,200 or 1,300 of the 30,000 who participated who had evidence of prior infection. And so they split almost evenly, showing that the vaccine really didn't have much of an effect at all for those people. And um, so I called up the CDC, the director here in Washington, D.C., and I said, I think I found a typo. I didn't say you all are lying SOBs. And uh, she said, let me get our top scientists on the line with us. And she came on the line and she said, we're going to start calling you Eagle Eye Massey. We went over this study we, and we just never found this mistake, but it's right here in the thing. And I'm like, oh, so you'll fix it, right? Oh, yeah, don't worry. So I, by the way, I recorded six phone calls with the CDC because I anticipated this might happen. The point of that sentence was to suggest that you don't need to test your antibodies before you get vaccinated. Right. Um, it, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Okay, this is Dr. Amanda Cohn, MD, Captain USPHS, whatever that is, and Chief Medical Officer NCIRD, Whatever that is. Okay, let me uh, let me back it up just a little bit. Don't need to test your back it up some more. Because I anticipated this might happen. The point of that sentence was to suggest that you don't need to test your antibodies before you get vaccinated. Right. Um, it, it doesn't matter. Or, right. Yeah, it's a wash. So, yeah. um, but we did, the word was taken out, and literally nobody... Um, including us, um, when we read the version that was published. So. She says nobody picked up on this. Hopefully I was somewhat helpful. Uh, oh, no, we, we, we really appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> we know we can't be perfect. We know we're going to miss things. Um, we're, we're glad that this one, you know, doesn't seem to be right. anyone any harm. Right. Um, but we were, we were very, it, it gave us a smile that you found it. It was very, uh, very impressive. Yeah, that, it's interesting how recordings can be an instant cure to selective amnesia yes. in 100% of cases. <laughs> That's right. Well, and so uh, they said they would change it. And by the way, you got to remember, the vaccines were just rolling out. This is December of last year, coming into January. They were in limited supply. And the reason this question was important was who do we prioritize? Mm-hmm. In a period when the vaccines are limited, should we give... Should we be giving them to 25-year-olds who've already had COVID and recovered who work in the accounting department at a big hospital, or should we be giving them to nursing home patients or or uh, 60-year-old retirees or whatever? And uh, because in Kentucky, they were in short supply. And they I, a month later, they the vaccines came out, and they had refused to change it on their website. And they still – I challenged them on it again. They changed it to something vague. Well, and well Thomas, give me the motive. Explain to viewers why <sighs> the federal government would purposefully uh, maintain false information on their website that you have pointed out to them and which they have admitted is false. 
In the beginning, I tried to impart the best motives possible to them. Maybe they thought that people would think they already had COVID and without have had it getting a test. And but that, why wouldn't they just fix something that's wrong on their website that they acknowledged was wrong and found by Eagle Eye Massey? Yeah. Because their basic assumption is that Americans are stupid and that they are the, the science. They are, and that there are such things as noble lies and they, I mean, this is all, COVID, if it's anything, the government's response to COVID is a series of noble lies that have been reversed multiple times. So, well, I think that's a, that's a very charitable I'm trying to be charitable, but my charity ran out. Wow, 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 wow. A series of noble lies. Yeah. Yeah, so he points out a glaring error. A glaring error in the CDC's own paperwork. Um, the statistics say clearly that, you know, if you've already got the antibodies from already having COVID, you don't need to get vaccinated. And he points that out. Oh, glad you caught that. Oh, I don't know how we missed that. That's a typo. And then a year later, they're still refusing to change it. Series of noble lies. You know what it reminds me of? Um, It was late summer or early fall of last year, 2020, when I was still doing the local radio talk show in Little Rock, Arkansas. And uh, my guest one day for an interview was a Dr. Jennifer Dillahay. Now, she's the uh, chief epidemiologist for the whole state of Arkansas, Arkansas Health Department. And I said, you know, when, when I first became aware of all this stuff, uh, every time I went to the grocery store, I was bringing stuff home and spraying everything I bought with my 70% alcohol solution. She said, oh, good, 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 yes, good. I said, yeah, but the CDC already said several months ago that you can't catch COVID from dry surfaces. You know, so why is the chief epidemiologist of a whole state still saying you should do this if it's pointless? Is it? As Representative Matt Gage and Representative Thomas Massey say, say just another one of the government's series of noble lies. Why are we to think otherwise? Why are we to think otherwise? Speaking of lies on an unrelated subject, U.S. Representative Marjorie Greene. Marjorie Taylor Green, out of Northwest Georgia, out there on Twitter this morning, saying one of the biggest holes in the lie about January sixth being a planned insurrection is that all the people there were unarmed. Anyone with half a brain knows that gun owners only leave their firearms at home when they don't feel the need to carry a gun or are obeying the law. If a group of elected officials who support the Second Amendment actually organized an insurrection with the people who own guns, then they would have brought guns to the so-called planned insurrection. There was no planning, and we all denounced the riot. The real issue is that the Capitol was left unprotected by those in charge of protecting it 
Denying President Trump's pre-January 6th request of bringing in the National Guard put everyone in danger, and the bad actors incited the riot. The American people aren't buying the lies. So, if the January 6th committee, that 35 Republicans joined in with Democrats and voting for, if the January 6th committee was legit, then they would be uh, subpoenaing Nancy Pelosi's texts and emails. Know what I'm saying? That's who they would be doing the subpoena on. Just so you know. Just so you know. But uh, but they're not. But they're not. Now, I've got a lot of stuff that uh, I want to share with you today. Some crazy new stuff Biden is saying. We already shared one of them with you. That he called uh, Kamala Harris president. But before I get to any of that, um, I gotta, I gotta remind you, because there's always this elephant in the living room when we're talking about government overreach. We're talking about the government putting their uh, the, their boot on our neck. They really enjoyed that in '09 when they passed Obamacare. Right? When they passed what they call the Affordable Care Act. Well, let me ask you. Did the so-called Affordable Care Act make your health care more expensive? Did your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? If any of that is the case, you need to go to a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. You click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, the big, bold words come up, affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage, low to no deductible. No co-pays. What? I ain't going to lie, fam. This is on the for reals. Affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays. And then there's the button, schedule, call now. That's what you need to do. Talk to my buddy Art Wilborn at myfamilyhealthplan.com. Book your free consultation. Art Wilborn will make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. He makes sure that your coverage doesn't force you to cover things that some of the Obamacare plans would, like abortion, things that would seriously, seriously violate and contradict your deeply held religious beliefs. You don't have to worry about any of that. Go to MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. Affordable plan, save 30 to 50% on your premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Save money on your insurance. 
No gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance. With my buddy, Art Wilborn, the website is myfamilyhealthplan.com. You'll be glad you did. All right. So that having been said, that having been said, um, if you uh, if you missed our interview with Julie Kelly from American Greatness, you need to go back and listen to episode. Uh, 46 from Wednesday, December 15th. Julie Kelly tells you what really happened. What really happened on January 6th. She has been covering better than anybody else that I've seen What actually happened? What actually happened on January 6th? That's number one. And number two, she has been covering what's going on with the political prisoners. Hundreds of people charged with nonviolent misdemeanors, no prior criminal record, held without bail for the better part of a year simply because they agree with Trump on the election being stolen. Radical prosecutors in Biden's DOJ telling radical judges, hey, this guy would be a danger to his community because he believes uh, he agrees with Trump the election was stolen. Oh, okay, well, no bail then. When's this uh, trial? Uh, middle of next year. Or oh, we don't have a trial date yet or whatever. Now, we're talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene a little bit earlier. <clears throat> saying the real issue is that the Capitol was left unprotected by those in charge of protecting it. That denying President Trump's pre-January 6th request of bringing in the National Guard put everyone in danger. And the bad actors incited the riot and the American people aren't buying the lies. Julie Kelly responds, Democrats, Nancy Pelosi and Mayor Muriel Bowser left the Capitol complex intentionally vulnerable. They denied calls for National Guard because D.C. and Capitol cops had their marching orders. Democrats didn't want any interference from other security forces asking why D.C. cops were attacking protesters, which is what they did. It's what they did. Julie Kelly says, so the so-called insurrection, the worst attack on democracy since the Civil War, comparable to 9-11, an attempted coup, a mob that nearly toppled the U.S. government is now just obstruction? LOL and Liz Cheney is messenger to the crazed flock, just like Russian collusion, no evidence it happened, so Mueller, Weissman, Adam Schiff had to pivot to obstruction of an official proceeding. Fifteen twelve C two is the same charge slapped onto two hundred thirty or so January six defendants by Biden's DOJ. Now they want to apply it to Trump. 
More LOL. So, let me share with you Julie Kelly's latest short article over in American Greatness entitled, Democrats Promised an Insurrection, but all they got was a lousy obstruction case. Julie Kelly says, history, it appears, is repeating itself, at least when it comes to the latest crusade to destroy Donald Trump and everyone around him. For nearly three years, the American people were warned that Donald Trump had been in cahoots with a Kremlin to rig the 2016 presidential election, Trump-Russia election collusion, the original Stop the Steal campaign, that is, until questioning the outcome of American elections was designated a criminal conspiracy after November 2020. Trump-Russia election collusion for four years dominated the attention of the ruling class and the entirety of the national news media. Every instrument, every instrument of power, the FBI, a secret surveillance court, congressional committees, a special counsel, all of them were leveraged to uncover the so-called truth about the Trump campaign's alleged dirty dealings with Mother Russia. Hyperbolic accusations about the president, his family, and close associates were similar to accusations now levied against those associated with the so-called insurrection said to have been incited by Trump. Russia collusion, like the four-hour disturbance at the Capitol on January 6th, rendered Trump a traitor, a threat to democracy, a wannabe dictator, a psychotic cult leader and a menace to global security, to name just a handful of the more outlandish claims. Democrats sang Christmas carols and lit candles in honor of special counsel Robert Mueller. It only was a matter of time before Mueller's posse of partisan attorneys would drag Trump out of the Oval Office in handcuffs and arrested him for conspiring with Vladimir Putin to defeat Hillary Clinton, they believed. Then, disaster struck. Forced by William Barr, Trump's new attorney general, to conclude his two-year fishing expedition, Robert Mueller, finally issued his long-awaited report April 2019. Quote, The investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities, unquote. Mueller never was going to find proof of Trump-Russia election collusion, and everyone in Washington knew that. The final confession came as a shock only to millions of brain-dead Americans. Deceived by professional liars, such as Representative Adam Schiff, D. California, to soften the blow, Mueller's team instead pivoted to suggestions that Trump likely obstructed justice on numerous occasions all in situations related to the president's attempts to stop the destructive witch hunt against both him and his advisors, including former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. The animating statute cited in the Mueller report was Section 1512C2 of the U.S. Code, Obstruction of an Official Proceeding. Julie Kelly says, as I explained in March, President George W. Bush signed the law in 2002 in the aftermath of the Enron scandal. Anyone who corruptly otherwise obstructs, influences, 
or impedes any official proceeding or attempts to do so is guilty of a felony punishable by up to 20 years in prison. Working hard. Working hard for America. That's what he signed into law. Don't misunderestimate him. While the law's intent was to prevent interference in criminal investigations that involved any sort of evidence, it is a subsection of 1512 which relates to tampering with a witness, victim, or an informant. The wording is vague enough to be misinterpreted by nefarious prosecutors and lawmakers seeking to punish their political foes. This is why Mueller's prosecutors struggled to tie Trump's alleged misconduct, for example, private conversations with FBI Director James Comey and Comey's subsequent firing, to a formal government proceeding. Andrew Weissman, the partisan attack dog who ran the Mueller probe and headed the Justice Department's Enron Task Force nearly 20 years ago, has a deep affinity for the obstruction count. Realizing the Mueller cabal was preparing to weaponize 1512C2 against the president. Attorney General William Barr, in private practice at the time, sent a lengthy memo in 2018 to Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein outlining the legal case against, against, let me say it again, against applying the statute to Trump's conduct. William Barr wrote, and I quote, under this theory simply by exercising his constitutional discretion in a facially lawful way, for example, by removing or appointing an official using his prosecutorial discretion to give direction on a case or using his pardoning power, a president can be accused of committing a crime based solely on his subjective state of mind. So, William Barr, then still in private practice, admonished that pursuing criminal charges under 1512c2 against the sending president would have disastrous implications on the executive branch in the future. In the end, Mueller did not pursue obstruction charges against Trump, a matter that has stuck in the craw of the resistance ever since. But the events of January 6th have breathed new political life into the obstruction statute. Joe Biden's Justice Department has slapped the charge against roughly 230 January 6th defendants in an effort to add a felony to mostly misdemeanor cases. Seven defendants so far pleaded guilty to obstruction of an official proceeding, including Jacob Chansley, who was sentenced to 41 months in prison for the nonviolent offense. Defense lawyers have filed motions to dismiss the count in several cases, arguing the law is being too broadly interpreted by the government and that the joint session of Congress on January 6th does not meet the definition of an official proceeding. David Fisher, an attorney representing a defendant in the Oath Keepers case, said in a June filing, and I quote, Congress was not engaged in a formal fact-finding investigation or inquiry hearing wherein outside witnesses would be compelled to attend, documents subpoenaed, and sworn testimony was to be taken. Under the 12th Amendment, the certification process on January 6th was nothing more than a ministerial function of Congress that involved counting votes. Judges handling January 6th cases have expressed skepticism about the validity of applying the obstruction charge to political protesters. In a win for the government this week, Judge Dabney Friedrich 
appointed in 2017 to the D.C. District Court by Donald Trump, sided with Biden's Justice Department and disagreed that the definition of 1512c2 should be constructed so, construed so narrowly. While the courts sort out the legalities of the obstruction charge, it appears as though, as with the Russia collusion hoax, Democrat voters, never Trump Republicans, and the news media are in for another major disappointment with another obstruction consolation prize. In a dramatic reading of text between Mark Meadows, Trump's last chief of staff, and a few Fox News hosts, U.S. Representative Liz Cheney, Wyoming, warned the messages were the smoking gun to prove the president was responsible not for inciting an an insurrection, an accusation made on a nearly hourly basis for almost a year, but for obstructing a perfunctory government ceremony. During this week's meeting of the January 6th sham hoax select committee, Liz Cheney asked, did Donald Trump through action or inaction corruptly seek to obstruct or impede Congress official proceedings to count electoral votes? So that's it? So that's it? After all the overheated, dangerous rhetoric about an insurrection, an insurrection and accusations that Trump and his supporters tried to overthrow the U.S. government on January 6th, the crime they actually committed is obstruction? The worst attack since the Civil War, as Joe Biden insisted. A terror attack comparable to 9-11 and the Oklahoma City bombing, as Attorney General Merrick Garland claimed, is now downgraded to simply interrupting Congress for a few hours. A gleeful desecration of our temple of democracy, as House Speaker Nancy Pelosi lamented. At long last is nothing more than a no, uh, and, and take two at long last is nothing more than an annoying disruption of congressional business alleged insurrectionists are now merely obstructionists liz cheney is enjoying her newfound place of affection within the corporate news media and democrat party Factions that for years considered her father a war criminal, acting as a useful idiot for dementia Joe Biden and hapless Nancy Pelosi. Liz Cheney, nonetheless, just set the stage for the latest letdown. Donald Trump won't be charged with insurrection or treason or sedition, but perhaps only with obstruction. Hardly the curtain call Trump haters, including Liz Cheney, were hoping for. That's Julie Kelly from American Greatness, the new article entitled Democrats Promise an Insurrection, but all they got was a lousy obstruction case. And now you know the rest of the story. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know my... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> as the great philosopher Elvis Presley once said, I don't know, buddy, I, I can't tell you. I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. 
Well, well, well. No, I steal from the best. I steal from the best. So, um, the New York Times has an article out. How Ashley Biden's diary made its way to Project Veritas. New details shed light on the federal investigation into the conservative group's acquisition last year of a journal kept by the president's daughter. Okay. Okay, wait. So make sure I understand this. So Byron York, okay, reporter, chief political correspondent at Washington Examiner, a Fox News contributor, says in response to this New York Times article, he says, on the Ashley Biden diary, it's real. It's real. Okay, wait. So if that's the case, uh, Bonchi over at Red State asks, he says, it's incredible, so they admit the diary is real, but the story here isn't that it contains some really bad accusations against Joe Biden, like the fact that Ashley, Ashley Biden as a girl, had to take inappropriate showers with her father, Joe Biden? No, that's not the story. Rather, the story is the FBI's focus on punishing people for exposing it and using it against Biden. That's that's literally a line in the New York Times article. Uh, So a lot of people are responding to this out there on Twitter. Yvonne Burton says, so Biden did take showers with his young daughter, but let's go after the people who expose the diary. There's no equal justice under the law right now. Uh, I mean, another guy here says, in said diary, Ashley Biden states she believes she was sexually abused as a child in the shower she took whether father as a child were not appropriate. Another guy says, wait, so New York Times admits the diary is real, and what they're going to focus on are not the jaw-dropping things she wrote in it about her family and her father, but rather how a reporter got hold of the diary. Really? Were that depraved to ignore what that poor girl went through? Uh... Oh, here's the good one. So Donald Trump and his wife Melania were secretly taped in the actual rooms of the White House. The press and the DOJ said, ah, no big deal. On the other hand, Biden's kids abandoned their laptops and diaries in areas used or owned by others, and the media and the DOJ sees theft and conspiracy. Two standards, got it. Um... Here's another one. News flash to the New York Times. Abandoned property is not stolen property. Biden's diary. Yeah. Ashley Biden's diary about her being molested by her father, Joe Biden, is an actual story to be investigated and followed up on. Project Veritas is doing real journalist work seeking the truth. Um. 
So looks like she abandoned her rehab diary at a friend's home, and uh, the friend sold it. So she had to go through rehab. Hmm. You know, when you think about it, uh, Joe was, uh, Dementia Joe was in Kentucky a couple of days ago to see the damage done by the, uh, by the tornadoes, right? And first thing he does is starts talking about uh, his son Bo dying. You never hear him talk about his daughter. A lot of people don't know he has a daughter, but he does. But he does. So, yeah, so why why is nobody asking why Joe Biden took showers with his young daughter and traumatized her? Hmm? Why is that not the story? See, one of the things we do here on the Doc Washburn Show is we talk about the things that the media, even conservative media, tend to ignore tend to ignore. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, I want to read that diary. That's, uh, that's messed up. But again, again, look, if you've seen the videos of Joe Biden with the families of the senatorial swearing-ins, every two years on C-SPAN, you know he's a child molester. It's on video of him groping little girls while everybody else in the family is looking up at the camera. Now, most people haven't seen it. But if you're paying attention, it's not hard to find. A lot going on, a lot of audio I want to share with you. Bill de Blasio, soon to be former mayor of New York City, doing an interview on CNBC this morning, and it went something like this. People want to lead their lives. I mean, the hard thing, you know, I. No, I'm sorry, not on CNBC. This was uh, Smirkanish, the guy from Philly on CNN. I apologize. People want to lead their lives. I mean, the hard thing, you know, I feel it here in New York City. By the way, I'm from Philadelphia, so it's not like I. I, I, I live in a rural area, um, but I feel it in every block that I walk in New York City. But if I were in the middle part of the country with you, I don't think we'd see masks. I don't think we'd be showing our vax cards anywhere. So I come back to that point where unless everybody's on the same page in the country, we're kind of screwed. And you know how you get on the same page? People have to lead. So, look, I believe with enough leadership, enough mandates, we're going to get a hell of a lot more people vaccinated. The more people vaccinated the more we actually make the transition to a time when COVID is in the background, not the foreground. And we know these mandates work, and we know people respond. Look, human beings are pretty predictable. If you say your paycheck depends on it or your ability to enjoy life and go do the things you want to do, people will make the practical decision overwhelmingly, and they'll go get vaccinated. But we aren't pushing hard enough. we got to go farther. So, again, just reiterating the fact that a lot of these Democrats are actually communists. It's nothing about the gentle art of persuasion. We're going to force you to take the jab. That's where they're coming from. 
And we had a story the other day, a couple of days ago, of a United States senator um, they call him uh, Da Nang Dick, Dick Blumenthal from Connecticut, uh, being really excited to be at an annual meeting of the Communist Party of Connecticut in which uh, they are recruiting new members. Now, I don't know if you're a big study of history or whatever, but um, communism is all about taking away your freedom. That's what it's all about. So the mask has slipped. Now, when a Republican politician does something untoward, something unseemly, uh, the media jumps all over all the Republicans saying, well, well, you haven't, you haven't condemned that yet. What's going on here? Why not? What's wrong with you? But uh, for Democrats, they're never held to account. They're never held to account. Just so you know. Nobody ever says, hey, well, to like another Democrat senator, you know, your uh, your cohort there, your fellow Democrat senator from uh, Connecticut, he just had a, a big old time at the Communist Party meeting. Do you have a problem with that? That doesn't happen. Just like... Uh, was it a few months back? Sheldon Whitehouse, Democrat senator from uh, Rhode Island, belongs to an all-white country club. He was coming out and asked about it. He's like, well, we need to work on these things. Yeah, but you, you, you're the racist. You belong to the club. Isn't that something? Oh, it's a beach club. Okay. Country club, beach club, whatever. U.S. Democrat Senator, Rhode Island. Last I checked, now, you know, I'm not a big geography buff. But last I checked, I think Rhode Island is above the Mason-Dixon line. I think Rhode Island is one of the states that did not secede uh, in 1860, 1861 there for the the Civil War. I think they're on the side of the Union. And the year 2021, they have all-white clubs. They're so normal. In deep blue Democrat state Rhode Island, the United States Senator says, yeah, I, I can belong to that. Sure, it's not a problem. Really? See, and they lie to you, and they tell you that, the, um, that after the civil rights legislation passed in the mid-1960s, the Democrats and Republicans decided to trade sides. The Democrats became uh, the side of civil rights, and the Republicans became the side of racism and segregation. As if that would have made sense for the Republicans to do that after they got their civil rights bills passed. Okay, now Democrats, why don't we, why don't we change sides? They lie to you. And 
Some people believe it. Some people believe it. Anyway. Uh, speaking of the old days, the bad old days of racism and desegregation. So Joe Biden was giving a speech this morning, I think at Howard University in Atlanta, and boy, did he tell a whopper. I got started in politics because of the civil rights movement. Lie. I noticed some of you were looking, and I thought you were wondering, how does he know the black national anthem? Well, because I sat in a black church after going to 7 o'clock mass, I'm a practicing Catholic. At 9 o'clock on the east side, get ready to go out and desegregate restaurants and movie theaters. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't do that any more than you got arrested for trying to visit Nelson Mandela in jail in uh, South, South Africa. Something else he's said over and over again. Never happened. Never happened. It's okay, see, because he's got a D by his name. Guess whose name Joe Biden forgot? I'm police reform. I share the frustration. And I know the family well, George Family Justice Act, the Policing Act. I know the family well. I thought his name was George Floyd. Biden says his name is George Family. Did you catch that? I'm police reform. I share the frustration. And I know the family well, George Family Justice Act, the Policing Act. I know the family well. Shut up. Shut up. So, tell me if there is unequal justice in America. Yesterday, a guy named Dakota Ray Horton was sentenced to 24 months in federal prison for smashing a deputy U.S. marshal with a baseball bat during the Portland Antifa federal courthouse riots. Officer had severe bruising to the upper back and shoulder areas. No, no. No, you had a cop? You, you, you had a cop with a baseball bat? No, you should get 24 years, not 24 months. A deputy U.S. marshal he hit with a baseball bat? And he gets two years? And let me guess, he'll, he'll, he'll get like time off for good behavior and get out in less than two years? Seriously? Uh, Jacob Chansley, on the other hand, the so-called QAnon shaman who, was, who committed no violent crime on January 6th, was sentenced to 41 months in prison. Tell me again we don't have political prisoners. There's a quote, with, uh, quote from Julie Kelly there. We do. But hardly anybody in Congress wants to talk about it. Hardly anyone in Congress wants to talk about it, just so you know. New article out from thefederalist.com. IRS filings confirm left-wing Zuckerberg Bucks recipient. Um funnel millions into manipulating 2020 election for Biden. Let's see. Your internet is down. Black SUVs parked in front of house. LOL. We got black SUVs in front of the house? Oh, it's a joke. Ah, uh, you, 
You crazy kid. Go crazy, go nuts. Absolutely marvelous. Jordan Boyd over the Federalist. See, the Internet's down on the PC, but not on the phone. Jordan Boyd at the Federalist has the receipts. IRS disclosure filings from the Center for Tech and Civic Life, a left-wing election takeover organization, confirmed, confirmed the nonprofit used millions of dollars from Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg to manipulate the 2020 election in favor of dementia Joe Biden. According to reporting from the Capital Research Center, Zuckerberg's Center for Tech and Civic Life used tens of millions of funds funneled from Zuckerberg's community foundations, other leftist dark money empires, and even federal dollars designated for personal protective equipment to monetarily urge secretaries of state to adopt sloppy election practices such as mass mail-in balloting and unmonitored drop boxes in the name of protecting voters against COVID-19. What a crock. What a crock. So Fauci, a guy who should be in prison, was on a CNBC Squawk Box. If the counts keep going up and the, and the test positivity keeps going up, we may need to be more restrictive. But for right now, people who are vaccinated and boosted should feel reasonably comfortable. The risk is never zero. That's for sure. But what, under any what's the number? What's the number you reassess at? You, you, you just suggested, I think, perhaps for the first time, that you would be forced to reassess if the numbers go up. At what level? Meaning, uh, you know, if, if you hear that it's yeah, the positivity rate is twenty five percent in a particular area or thirty percent, does that yeah. change? You know, I'm not going to give you a number. I- and you know why? You know why he's not going to give you a number? Because it's not about science. And he's waiting for his marching orders. And when he gets his marching orders, he'll completely contradict what he said a few months, a few weeks, even a few days earlier. No, he doesn't know. He likes lockdowns. He knows that. But I'm not going to give you a number. We'll see. We'll see. And guess what, Fauci? I'm not going to give you a a lockdown either. I'm not going to uh, comply. I'm going to talk about resistance. Yeah, resist this. A lot of us are fed up. I mean, in Florida, they've been living normally for a long, long time, and everything's back to normal, and it's always such a breath of fresh air when we go to visit family in Florida because it's normal life over there. You know, I remember we were in Panama City Labor Day 2020. Had to go to the grocery store. For those of you outside the uh, southeast, uh, there's a chain called Publix. And I was going to go to the Publix in Panama City, on 23rd Street. And my mom said, well, now you have to wear a mask. I'm like, oh, man, what a drag. And I got there, and sure enough, the sign on the front door says, you know, got to wear a mask. Uh, I hate this. You know, it's almost a year and a half ago, Labor Day last year. So I put on a mask, and I go in. And I noticed about 10 or 15% of the people were not wearing masks. And nobody's doing anything about it. I'm like, oh, forget this. 
I'm not wearing a mask then. Forget it. So the weird thing is, uh, I live in the state of Arkansas for the time being, and um, we were used to seeing about 90% of the people in the grocery store wearing masks. And then when our illustrious governor finally called off the mask mandate, about 90% of the people weren't wearing masks. And then a few weeks later, he starts talking about how scary and spooky the Delta variant was. And all of a sudden, about half the people wearing masks again. And half the people still wearing masks. Um, and, uh, I mean, including in the parking lot, including getting in their cars. And, and it cuts across demographics. It cuts across ethnicities. Now, I was talking to my brother who lives south of Orlando. The other day, I said, um, I told him how, you know, in, in Arkansas, where I live, about half the people wear masks, even walking around outside, not near anybody. I said, what is it like where you live? And he said, the only people we see wearing masks going to the store are some black folks and some uh, some uh, Cuban folks. He, he says, I never see Caucasians wearing masks. I'm like, well, it's different in Arkansas. That's for sure. I don't know. I don't know why, but it's it's a shame. It's a shame that people believe they have to. Let me just put it that way. It's a shame that people believe they have to wear masks. I mean, how many times do you have to tell people that the virus itself... is one hundredth the size of a single uh, hair on your head. A hair on your head is 100% times bigger than the virus. The virus will go through that little cloth mask. Not a problem. You know, if you can if you have the cloth mask on and walk into a restaurant and smell something, then it's not protecting you from the virus. People don't care. They're terrified. They're terrified. And that's exactly how the regime wants you to be. The regime wants you terrified. You ever think about why? Because they want to control you. They want to control you. Simple as that. I mean, the World Economic Forum has been saying for quite a while now that by the year 2030, there will be no private property. You won't own anything. You won't have any privacy whatsoever, but you'll be so much happier. Trust us, you'll be so much happier. That's nuts. You know what I'm saying? That is nuts. All right, wait a minute. I think something's about to happen. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. And it is brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to online. 
and have it delivered to you, to your front door, no matter where you live, all across this wonderful land of ours, by RedRiverYourWay.com. All right, today's tweet of the day is actually a thread of six tweets. It's from a lady named uh, Mario Tabone. And she says, every once in a while, uh, you, E-W-E, will give birth to a lamb and reject it. There are many reasons she may do this. If the lamb is returned to the you, the mother may even kick the poor animal away. Once a you rejects one of her lambs, she will never change her mind. These lambs are called bummer lambs. Unless a shepherd intervenes, that lamb will die, rejected and alone. So do you know what the shepherd does? He takes that rejected little lamb into his home, hand feeds it, and keeps it warm by the fire. He will wrap that little lamb up with blankets and hold it to his chest so the little bummer lamb can hear his heartbeat. Once the lamb is strong enough, the shepherd will place it back in the field with the rest of the flock. But that sheep never forgets how the shepherd cared for him when his mother rejected him. When the shepherd calls for the flock, guess who runs to him first? That's right. That's right. The bummer sheep. He knows his voice intimately. It is not that the bummer lamb is loved more. It just knows intimately the one who loves it and has experienced that love one-on-one. So many of us are bummer lambs, rejected and broken, but he is the good shepherd. He cares for our every need and holds us close to his heart so we can hear his heartbeat. I am a bummer lamb, adopted and loved by the great shepherd. Amen and amen. What a wonderful tweet of the day. We try to bring some good news every once in a while. Thank you so much to uh, RedRiverYourWay.com for sponsoring our Tweet of the Day, RedRiverYourWay.com, the car dealership right in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV you want the way you want to buy it. And now, NBC News, NBC News, has discovered the concept of unintended consequences. In this case, what happens when a a tragically hip, tragically woke community like Burlington, Vermont, discovers that maybe, maybe, It wasn't such a good idea to defund the police after all. And it goes something like, whoops, i got to turn it back up. Something like this. In Burlington, Vermont, roll call looks a little different than it used to. I know it was a long night. Often just five officers are on shifts for a city of more than 44,000 after Burlington's leaders cut the police force by nearly 30%. 
essentially imposing a hiring freeze. We had huge numbers of people making real demands about changing policing, saying we don't want police to participate in certain kinds of calls for service, we don't want as many police, all of which had real merit, but none of which was being done with any kind of specificity or, or deliberation. In the wake of George Floyd's murder, the city council voted to divert part of its police budget to social and racial justice programs. But working officers began to leave faster than anticipated, down to just 64 in a short period of time. Many who left felt like the city turned on them. Do they tell you why? They do. What have they said to you? The exit interviews have been pretty clear that it was about a, a lack of support in a political sense and a sense of saying that I this is not how I want to serve anymore. I don't feel valued. With fewer officers, some routine patrols stopped altogether. They're just not there. Mark Bouchette and his family have owned this home goods store for 35 years. He says the police couldn't respond quickly to disturbances, prioritizing more serious calls. He and his staff felt their absence. They said, we don't feel safe in the evenings. In and that, Burlington, Vermont. In Burlington, Vermont. It's all taken its toll on those who remain. What is the morale right now? At the Burlington Police Department. It's in rough shape. I know that what has been expressed to me from officers and even my own frustrations about the job not being able to police as effectively as we once could. Realizing there was a problem this fall, the city council yes. reversed course and voted to bring yes. back more officers. The resolution carries. We're in a situation that I think nobody wanted us to get to. In other words, there are some unintended consequences. Oh, absolutely. The department hired social workers to handle mental health calls and other community issues. I will never betray my badge. By your now, Chief John Murad is working to rebuild his ranks. Okay. Now, did you catch the part where the shop owner was telling the NBC reporter that since they slashed the police budget, we don't feel safe? And she said, in Burlington, Vermont. said, yep, in Burlington, Vermont. Now, why do they say it that way, do you think? Well... I took the liberty of checking the demographics of Burlington, Vermont. It's 86% white, less than 5% black. So do you think that the racial demographics of that city have anything to do with the assumption of the reporter? Just a thought. Just a thought. Yeah, Burlington, Vermont, um, there are more Asian folks there than there are black folks, 6% Asian. But you slash the budget for the cops, and all of a sudden people say there's a crime problem. We don't feel safe anymore. How about them apples? What What a shock, huh? Yeah, why don't we... Oh, and by the way, I looked at their city council. And everybody on the city council, there are how many? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. There's a mayor and 12 members of the city council. 
and they're all either Democrats or progressives. Not one Republican on the city council. So they're learning the hard way that their uh, their preferences. You know, why don't we send out social workers? Really don't work with reality. Fascinating, isn't it? Fascinating. Now, there's a great reporter at the White House from Fox News, a guy named Peter Ducey. His dad, Steve Ducey, been co-hosting the um, Fox and Friends morning show on Fox News for over 20 years. But Peter Ducey is the bane of Biden's White House press conference, uh, press secretary's existence. Uh, Jen Psaki does not like Peter Ducey. And neither, for that matter, does Jen Psaki's uh, deputy, her partner in crime, Karine Jean-Pierre, the deputy White House press secretary. So Ducey had a little bit of fun with Karine Jean-Pierre this morning, and it went something like this. Why is President Biden telling people still that the vaccinated cannot spread COVID? Can you, can you say more? Yeah, in a local interview on Tuesday, he said, how about making sure you're vaccinated so you do not spread the disease to anybody else? The CDC says people who get vaccine breakthrough infections can be contagious. Well, I'll, I'll say this. I, I, I didn't hear this interview, so I would have to see it in its full context. What I know and what the president believes is that we have to listen to the science. Uh, we have to listen to our public health officials. And that's what the president believes. That's a lie. If the president believed that. He wouldn't keep lying about you can't get the virus and pass it on to somebody else if you're vaccinated. The CDC director says you can. So you're lying, number one. And number two, are you really doing your job as Deputy White House Press Secretary if you're ignoring the precious few interviews that Dementia Joe actually does bestow upon the nation. No, of course you're not. The president believes we should listen to our health authorities. No, he doesn't. He's ignoring them. CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, the woman he appointed to the CDC, says fully vaccinated, you can still get COVID, you still... Give it to somebody else. So why does the president say you can't? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I just work here. I ignore his interviews. Uh, so uh, what do you say again? When, when was that? Because I, because I just, uh, I just work here. But, uh, but trust me, trust me. He uh, very much believes in doing what he's obviously not doing which is listening to the uh, listening to our health authorities. Clearly, if he said that, he's ignoring what they say, but I can assure you uh, that he pays close attention and believes what they say 
and confirms and affirms what they say. Even though this interview, which, you know, if I had any semblance of professionalism, I'd know exactly what you're talking about. Or maybe I do know exactly what you're talking about, but it's too painful to admit it. So obviously I'm just going to lie and say, yeah, I missed that one. Uh, catch me up to speed. I just I just get paid by you guys like to be uh, Deputy White House Press Secretary. Uh, don't harsh my mellow, man. Uh. More lies from Biden. Here's what Peter Ducey was talking about. And so everybody talks about freedom and not to have a to have a shot or have a test. Well, guess what? And so how about patriotism? How about making sure that you're vaccinated so you do not spread the disease to anybody else? What about that? What's the big deal? Hey, what about why don't you take a long walk off a short pier uh, at a beach somewhere in Delaware? How about that? Do that for us, won't you? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Take a long walk off a short pier at a beach somewhere in Delaware. And wait until maybe late January, early February to do it. It'll be nice nice and brisk then, you know? Take the plunge, Joe. Take the plunge. Huh? No, no. No, not in warm weather. No, no. Not in the summertime when the weather is nice. No, not when you can reach out up and just nurse the sky. No, no, not then. In the cold weather. Yeah, why don't you? What a maroon. She's pretending she doesn't know about that. It's not like he gives a bunch of interviews and it'd be hard to keep up with him. But, uh, but hey. Now, uh, Peter Ducey had another question for uh, Karine Jean, Jean-Pierre, White House Deputy Press Secretary. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, there seems to be a problem of, inc- of increasing crime in some Democrat-run cities. Were you aware of that? Had you heard about that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Peter Ducey's going to ask White House Deputy Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre about that one. A question about crime recently. The mayor in San Francisco is now trying to add police funding because when she pulled it to reinvest in communities, crime went way up. So would President Biden, as the leader of the Democratic Party, advise Democratic mayors not to pull money from police budgets? Uh, So I I can say this. Uh, It is absolutely unacceptable when uh, gun crimes are taking lives, when families don't feel safe going to the park or... Wait a minute. Did you catch that? When grand, grand, uh, gun crimes are taking lives. When- so that's unacceptable. What about knife crimes? Is it unacceptable when knife crimes take lives? This. Uh, it is absolutely unacceptable when grand, grand, uh, gun crimes are taking lives. When- well, I'll tell you what. She's got her talking points down. What about when knife crimes are taking lives? What about when fists and baseball bats are taking lives? What about when medical malpractice is taking lives? What about when hospitals refuse to treat people suffering from the Wu flu, from the China virus, and they take lives? 
Now, that's not unacceptable. That's perfectly acceptable. That's the way it's supposed to be. But gun crimes, oh, buddy. Yeah, that's a problem. Good grief. And families don't feel safe going to the park or their local schools. when the- What about families don't feel safe going to the hospital with COVID? Because they're not allowed the ivermectin, which we all know works. She don't care. Thieves feel impunity in stealing from uh, retailers, so we applaud. Hey, I got your impunity right here, Karine Jean-Pierre. Uh, the, the mayor uh, making sure that um, there is more police presence uh, in, in the city to, to protect uh, Americans. She's not making sure there's more police presence in the city to protect Americans. And even if there was, you still have a prosecutor who's letting violent criminals out on no bail. And so if you're a mayor, this is what we say to local leaders, if you're a mayor or a local leader, there is a crime problem in your community. We think you should step up and do something about it, uh, just as many mayors are already doing. Hey, you know what? You're saying that uh, you think the, uh, the mayor should step up. I think you should step off. How you like that? Catch me outside. How you like that? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's uh, it's, uh, it's Friday, and sometimes on Friday you feel a little froggy. You know. I just I get tired of people lying and pretending that we don't know they're lying. Just because their constituents, the people who voted for them, don't know they're lying. But some of those folks are starting to catch up. Some of those folks are starting to open their eyes. Which is why I believe that Donald Trump received more votes in the 2020 election than any presidential candidate had ever received. That's why I believe that the reason all five swing states had to stop counting ballots at the same time on election night was that Trump got so many votes that he broke the algorithm and they had to go back to the drawing board because they had to steal the thing. No, 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 look, look, Time Magazine did an article in February, 20-page article bragging about how they stole it. Now, they don't use the word steal. They say, well, no, we didn't steal it. We, we had to fortify the election because we, the, the, we knew the country couldn't afford to go through four more years of Donald Trump. So we fortified it. But they explained in the article, claiming they fortified it, how they stole it. Anyway, guess what Biden thinks you're going to do in a few years? Because of the incredible, incredible change in science and technology, you're going to see us traveling commercially the next 20 years at 12, 15,000 miles an hour, subsonic speeds, supersonic speed. I mean, the thing. No, we're not. No, we're not. 15,000 miles an hour, huh? Traveling commercially at 15,000 miles an hour. You believe that? Do you, do you believe that? I don't believe that. Let's see. Traveling commercially at 15,000 miles an hour. I wonder. I wonder, let's see, I'm in Little Rock, and I just typed in uh, Los Angeles, and let's see, 
let's see, how many miles is that from uh, Little Rock to uh, Los Angeles? Okay, it's 1,665 miles from Little Rock to Los Angeles. And Joe Biden says in 20 years we'll be doing 15,000 miles an hour traveling commercially. Hmm. So that means, uh, you know, I'm not a math expert. That means you can get from Little Rock to L.A. in like uh, seven minutes. Now, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. But this is the same guy who said he was, wasn't going to shut down the economy. He's going to shut down the virus. And now he's like, well, we don't know how to shut down the virus. No, no. No, Joe, Joe. No, 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 Dementia Joe. You promised. You promised. You promised that you had a plan. So what's up, Joe? Where's the plan to shut down the virus instead of the uh, instead of the economy? What's the deal with that? There is no deal. There is no deal. He lied. Because that's what he always does. He always lies. No saying. Oh, shut up. Shut up. Don't you hate it when you close out Google Maps and it starts talking to you anyway? Because I looked on Google Maps to see, on my phone, to see how far away Los Angeles is from Little Rock, Arkansas. And then it acted like, you know, it thought that I wanted to keep it. But I didn't. I didn't. So, Bonchi at Red State points out South Africa is reporting a failing, no, a falling, falling rate of hospitalization in the midst of their Omicron outbreak. Despite having only 23% of the country fully vaccinated, they're talking about fewer and fewer people going to the hospital for COVID-19. And somehow the tyrants in the West think that's justification for more mitigation. It's insane. They'll never stop. They'll never stop. That's right, because they know what they want. It has nothing to do with science. So Dr. Benjamin Braddock uh, out there in L.A., he's got his own substack. He's on Twitter saying, last couple of years have really been eye-opening. People I thought would have been leading from the front during times like these, have shown themselves to be cowed by fear. And I've seen grit and courage from others I wouldn't have expected it from. Who would have thought that R&B artist Nicki Minaj would be a resistance leader against the Wu flu, the China virus, while Solzhenitsyn quoting Dr. Jordan Peterson would be telling people they just need to comply so that everything will go back to normal? Huh. Who would have thought it? Wow. So somebody asked uh, Dr. Benjamin Braddock, I'm laughing, but it's true. Question for you, man. Top three books on health. 
And he responds, Deep Nutrition by Kate Shanahan, Generative Energy by Ray Pete, P-E-A-T, and Nutrition and Physical Degeneration, a Comparison of Primitive and Modern Diets and Their Effects by Weston Price. Sounds like three books that uh, my wife and I ought to take a look at. Ought to take a look at. Yeah, let me, let me save that one. Let me bookmark that one. I, we gotta, I, I, I got to do something. I need to lose a few pounds. But anyway, that's that's not your concern. That's uh, neither here nor there. Uh, the great John Cardillo says, sure seems like weakening our natural immune system was their goal all along. Yes, indeed. And again, that's another reason I believe that Dr. Fauci should be under the jail. Now, speaking of your health and speaking of things they uh, try to hide from you, somehow, by the grace of God, about 14 years ago in Brunswick, Georgia, I became aware of the best-kept secret in American health care. And I think I'd probably be in a wheelchair by now if, if I had not become aware of it. I don't know if my wife would even still be with us. She had a, a very bad bout of what they called COPD on New Year's Eve of 2015. We were engaged at that point. She was my fiance. I was trying to call her all day long, couldn't get a hold of her, and didn't know where to look for her. And uh, didn't know her... Uh, kids well enough to have their phone numbers at that time. That evening, her daughter sent me a private message on Facebook, said, Mama couldn't catch her breath this morning, and um, Jason's girlfriend had to drive her 80 miles an hour to get her to the ER at Baptist Medical Center because she was, you know, her breathing was constricted or obstructed, and she's in a medically-induced coma which really shocked me because I didn't know what that meant. What it meant was they got to put you under to try to stabilize you. So she was in the hospital for nine days, two and a half of it in the uh, medically induced coma. And when she got out, I took her to the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center. They did x-rays of her head and neck and said, look, your, your atlas is out of line. We need to adjust your atlas. And they did, and walking to the car, she said, Doc, this is crazy. The big toe on my left foot has felt numb and tingly for years and now feels normal. I said, well, that's good. That afternoon, I was doing my uh, local radio talk show, and she texted me and said, hey, guess what? I don't have my regular daily backache. I said, that's good. And a few days later... She told me, you know, I ha- I haven't had a headache since I got my atlas adjusted, the Arkansas Cervical Center. I said, well, how, how often are you used to having headaches? She said, oh, every day. Every day. So let me tell you how this works. <clears throat> your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces, so it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment if it does. Your whole spinal column could get kinked up like a chain, and that tends to restrict your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body, the way God designed it to do. 
and it can affect your circulatory system, your digestive system, your reproductive system, and yes, even your respiratory system. It can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, you name it. So do yourself a favor. If you're in central Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Historical Center, 501-279-2009, for free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. If, like most of the people who listen to the Doc Washburn Show, you're outside of Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor so you can find one close to where you live. All right? Good idea? Good idea. All right, I got I to gotta take a drink of water. So um, here, let me do this real quick. Thanks for listening to the Doc Washburn Show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. Many of you have asked, how can we help support the show? Really easy. Go to DocWashburnShow.com and click Become a Patron at the top right corner of the website or click the Podbean logo where it says, Be My Patron on Podbean. We sure do appreciate your support of the Doc Washburn Show. Yeah, we do. Thank you, Brian Coolis. Appreciate you. All right, so uh, Tim Meads over Daily Wire has an exclusive. Maxine Waters goes maskless on cross-country United flight. How about them apples? Talk about a mask-off moment for Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Democrat, California. Yesterday, an anonymous tipster passed along an exclusive photo to the Daily Wire that appeared to be a high-profile member of Congress not wearing a mask aboard a United flight headed from Dulles Airport, Washington, D.C., to LAX, Los Angeles, despite the FAA mask mandate in place requiring all passengers to wear a mask Due to COVID-19 precautions. Meanwhile, flight attendants hounded other passengers consistently for not wearing their masks, even in between bites of food. See, that's why I won't fly. I'm not going to do it. Flight attendants only asked Maxine Waters to pull up her mask once the tipster pointed out the hypocrisy. The source told the Daily Wire... Maxine had her mask off for at least an hour while she read her paper and took a nap. Attendants brought her fresh coffee while she was napping and didn't say a thing as three of them walked past and saw Maxine Waters reading and then sleeping while she remained maskless. But the source did not receive the same treatment from United Airlines. She explained, My nose had bled pretty early into the flight, so I later on pulled my mask down below my nose to get some cooler air. Within a few minutes, a flight attendant informed me I had to put my mask back over my nose the right way immediately. The source says she pointed in the direction of Maxine Waters, indicating that she wasn't wearing a mask as a form of protest. The flight attendant looked at Maxine Waters and said to the woman, okay, but you need to put your mask on the right way. The Daily Wire source added, I put the mask on the right way after the flight attendant told Maxine to put her mask on. Maxine had been napping. She did put the mask on after the attendant interrupted her sleep. 
and told her to do so, I think she was startled by the rude awakening. The source, who also suspects Maxine Waters had a role in her boyfriend's seat getting bumped, was able to snap a photo of the congresswoman before she put her mask on. Well, you know what they say, rules for thee, but not for me. Readers should remember Maxine Waters has been one of the longest, most vocal advocates of masking in public settings. In April 2020, Maxine Waters tweeted, and I quote, Take a chance. Remind an unmasked person to put on a mask, and they, if they become angry, smile and say, six feet away, and keep going. In May 2020, Maxine Waters took it a step further and said that not wearing a mask in public was a threat to public safety. She slammed then-President Trump as being a bad role model for being seen in public without the face covering. She tweeted out, Trump is a dangerous example for children and those who tend to follow him. Not wearing a mask and not social distancing is dangerous. Do not follow his example. Protect yourself. Coronavirus kills. Maybe this ignoramus doesn't care, but you should care about yourself. Okay. She doubled down on that message in June 2020, tweeting out, Trump still refuses to wear a mask. Trump's failed leadership and his unfortunate followers not wearing masks and not social distancing is responsible for the growing infections, death, and surge in coronavirus cases. Oh, okay. None of these statements were forgotten by the Daily Wire's source who slammed the congresswoman for her rules for thee but not for me attitude. The pastor also expressed her dissatisfaction with United Airlines customer service or lack thereof. Quote, The injustice of being overlooked because we were not important like Maxine, of being dismissed when my boyfriend tried to address the seat he paid for so that we could sit together and then being roughly spoken to for having my own mask down a fraction of an inch when someone else, a well-known politician just six, six feet away, from me was breaking the required face masks on airlines was flabbergasting. Flight attendants stay on you. If you don't put your mask on in between bites of food or sips of drink, they will ask you to. They state so as the start at the start of their safety guidelines before the flight. But none of them once bothered Maxine when she was maskless. A politician who believes in masks, but only when others wear them for her. It's a double standard, but people seem to be blind to it. As for her boyfriend not getting to sit in his original seat, the source said that they were able to sit near each other, but that Maxine Waters was able to sit without anybody next to her at all. Quote, She was in the window seat, and in the middle seat was a sign that said the seat was out of service and sorry for the inconvenience. There was a young man in the aisle seat of that row who mid-flight agreed to switch seats with my boyfriend so that the both of us could at least be across from each other. By the way, recently, usurper Joe Biden extended the federal mask mandates for public transportation, such as airlines, into March of 2022. The Daily Wire reached out to Maxine Waters' office for comment, but has not received one. What a shock. What a shock. No response from Maxine Waters' Office, 
Anti-Maxine is what they call her. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Okay, wait. New York Times article. Agency says CDC virus tests were contaminated and poorly designed. Really? Dr. Robert W. Malone, the guy who invented the mRNA vaccine, said, talk about stating the obvious. I think this deserves a no-duh. Homer Simpson does journalism comes to mind. This is uh, some crazy stuff here. It's almost like maybe we shouldn't leave the government in charge of something like this. New York Times article, headline. CDC virus tests were contaminated and poorly designed, agency says. Subheadline. An internal review documented two serious flaws in the test kits, which were distributed to public health laboratories in early 2020. Yeah, well, obviously they don't care. Obviously they don't care. I'm not, I'm not going to leave, uh, not even a live fan. This is uh, this is jacked up. This is jacked up. Now Hillary Clinton out there saying well responding to uh that guy uh Rachel Madcow over at MSNBC who said if Hillary Clinton's email protocols were a major national story for over a year, Mark Meadows used a private email accounts Matters too. Hillary says, especially since his emails were about plotting a coup d'etat, while ours were about gefilte fish. A coup d'etat? What an idiot. So the great uh, David Arsani over there at uh, National Review responded to Hillary, said, you set up an illegal server to circumvent transparency and then tried to illegally destroy your emails. Anyone else would have been charged. And, of course, National Review has a new article on Hillary entitled, Hillary Tries to Rewrite Her Sordid History Again. Yeah, that's uh, it's messed up. Oh, The Federalist also has a new article out called Nancy Pelosi Owns January 6th. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, she's the one that needs to be subpoenaed. Absolutely. I said something about the uh, the, the, the clean air in, in airlines earlier on the show, and I couldn't remember where I got it from. The great Matt Walsh, here's the quote. The air on a plane is extremely clean and heavily filtered. Fresh, clean air from thousands of feet in the sky is piped in. You won't breathe the same air for more than a minute or two. It's the cleanest and safest confined space on earth, and yet you have to wear a mask. Absurd. It is. It is. And the great Paul A. Shabula, also on Twitter, saying, Ashley Biden's diary, just confirmed authentic by the New York Times, contains... Accusations of pedophilia against her father, Joe Biden. Why aren't Democrats more upset by Ashley's claims than by how the diary was obtained? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or as the late, great 
Norm Macdonald would say, eh. People should be. Should be upset about it. The great party man Randy over on Twitter says, remember when we found out that CNN was basically one big pedophilia ring and the media completely ignored it? Brian Kilmeade sending a text saying that January 6th was bad has been a major multi-day story for the media. The revelation that CNN is one big pedophilia ring has been completely ignored. Conclusion, the media is the enemy of the people. Yep. That's what's up. That's what's up. Now, let me take a look at Jordan Schachtel here real quickly. He's got a little thread over there on Twitter. Jordan Schachtel, a great independent journalist, says, seems like we're splitting atoms here. Pfizer and Moderna said their shots would stop the spread. They also said their shots would make you less sick if you get COVID. So we're supposed to disregard their claim that their shots would stop the spread but believe their shots make you less sick if you get COVID wholeheartedly, right? But but Omicron, but Delta. Oh, so the shots work in one way for new variants, but not in the other way? Sounds very sciencey. Seems to me the only argument the mRNA purists have left to defend the shots is asking you to prove a negative. Would have been even worse had they not been boosted. Doesn't really sound like that much of a serious thought to me. It'd call me crazy, but I agree with uh, Jordan Schachtel, so I'm a, uh, I'm a good company. In my humble opinion, and you're entitled to it. Oh, the Nuremberg Code, Article Six, Section Three: No government can mandate or force medical treatment without individual consent. So did we uh did we sign on to that that Nuremberg code? Tell you what, there was a great movie. Uh, my wife and I stopped watching Fox News after they helped uh Biden steal the election. And it occurred to us there's a, a, a channel on cable that specifically shows old movies, and there were a lot of old movies that we had been meaning to watch for years, right? And um, now we finally had an excuse to turn off the news and turn on the movies. And I know a lot of people who uh, don't get their news from television. Uh, they get their news from places like the Doc Washburn Show, and then you know, they don't really watch much stuff on on TV, but, but, so there was a movie called Judgment at Nuremberg. Came out in 1961, American epic courtroom drama film starring Spencer Tracy, Burt Lancaster, Richard Widmark, Maximilian Schell, Warner Klemperer, Marlena Dietrich, Judy Garland, William Shatner, and Montgomery Clift. Judgment at Nuremberg. It was fascinating. Fascinating. But again, 
Nuremberg Code, Article 6, Section 3, no government can mandate or force medical treatment without an individual consent. But they're sure going to try. I guarantee you they're going to try. But I also, I also guarantee you we just shouldn't put up with it. Should not put up with it. All right. Um, that having been said, that having been said, dear ones, I, I think it's about that time again. You've been listening to episode 48 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier X. Well, that's the way it is. Friday, December 17th, 2021.